This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. <laughs> oh man, I so enjoyed hearing Greg's story. I love his passion. He and I have connected too um, with our passion to see something happen with our Missouri River here down the street. And uh, just love it that there are men who love Jesus and love adventure and aren't afraid of risk. Come on, give me some of those guys and gals and we can change the world. And that's the opportunity you get. And we kind of bring this boat in for a landing today. I want to read to you a little bit about the one who, as I look through the scriptures, it's like who best exemplifies this idea of passion? And surprise, surprise, it's Jesus, right? I mean, we called the movie The Passion of the Christ, right? It's like obviously Jesus was a passionate man. And I just want to pull a few points from his story, his life on earth. I I thought of this scene with Jesus overturning tables at the temple, right? He's flipping over the money changers' tables. Why? Because they had turned his father's house into something it was never meant to be. And the passion in him, it's like he just, it just came out of him. Another uh, scene is in the garden of Gethsemane when the cross is just hours away. And he's so earnestly wanting to stay in that place of passion that he's sweating drops of blood, literally. Physiologically, it affected him to that level. But he was determined to finish the course set before him, the race personally apportioned for him to run. Are you hearing? Are your ears open today? Jesus was our example. He was our forerunner. And then, of course, Jesus on the cross. The fact that he went to the cross willingly, listen, nobody put him there. He volunteered to go. He endured the cross, we read in Hebrews, for the joy set before him. Come on. He endured the cross. And from the cross, while people were mocking and spitting on him, gambling for his clothes, the same people who nailed him there What does he say? He's cursing them, saying, Father, get them. No, what did he say? Father, forgive them. That was his passion. That's why he came. He fulfilled the course set before him. But the scene I want to end with this morning is a different picture. It's a few hours before the cross. It's Jesus at his final Passover. Now, being a good Jewish boy, He would have celebrated Passover every year. And we're going to celebrate Passover here, April the 26th. Hope you got your tickets because she's filling up fast. But I'm so excited to see the depth of what all that means. As Gentiles, we don't quite get it. There's so much meaning in Jesus sitting at the table. It was a Passover table with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper. It was the Passover is what it was. So on April 26th, we're going to sit at the same table, and the rabbi is going to lead us through. It's going to be awesome. So I'm going to read from Matthew 26, right? 
we, we're going to be meeting on the 26th, so Matthew 26 gives us a picture of what that last Passover looked like. Again, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Verse 17, on the first day of Passover, the day when any bread made with yeast was removed from every Jewish home, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where should we prepare the Passover meal for you? He answered them, my heart longs with great desire. Are you hearing this? My heart longs with great desire. I hear the passion of Jesus in that. To eat this Passover meal with you. Go into Jerusalem and you will encounter a man. Tell him that the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm coming to your home to eat the Passover meal with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had instructed them and they prepared the Passover meal. When evening came, he took his place at the table and dined with the twelve. While they were eating, Jesus spoke up and said, One of you is about to betray me. Feeling deeply hurt by these words, one after another asked him, You don't mean me, do you? He answered, It is one who has shared meals with me as an intimate friend. All that was prophesied of me will take place, but how miserable it will be for the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be far better for him if he had never been born. Then finally Judas the traitor spoke up and asked him, Teacher, perhaps it is I? Jesus answered, You said it. As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, This is my body, eat it. Then taking the cup of wine and giving thanks, Praises to the Father. He entered into covenant with them. That's an interesting way to put this. He entered into covenant with them. This is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. The next time we drink this, it will be with you. And we will drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of my father. And they sang a hymn, left for the Mount of Olives. In my research, reading some of the original language, that's why I like the Passion Translation. They've taken much of the original language and tried to bring it into our understanding. It said, after each disciple took the cup and drank from it, they passed it to one another. This was a love covenant between Jesus and each of his disciples. And it sealed the affection they had for one another. That's why what we do at communion time, which we're going to do here in just a couple of minutes, is so important that we understand what we're doing. I'll never forget in my younger days on staff of a church, I was directing their Easter play. Okay. So I was trying to get these pale white turban, bathrobe-wearing gentlemen to transform them into Middle Eastern men who would portray the roles of the disciples. And at this scene, the Last Supper scene, I had the audacity to ask my Jesus character, I said, and we'll give you his name, I said, I want you, whoa, I'm losing my little thing there, I want you to go and when you get up from this table, I want you to give each of your disciples the biggest bear hug you can because this is the last time 
they're going to be together like this before the cross. And man, this guy just bowled up on me. He said, I ain't doing it. He was a good old Missouri boy. I ain't doing it. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I ain't playing no gay Jesus. I said, are you freaking kidding me? You don't think Jesus hugged his disciples ever? No. And fortunately, this was a phone conversation I was having with him. And I said, dude, listen. <laughs> I said, I just got to tell you, something's, something's wrong. <laughs> if you don't think Jesus wouldn't have shown passionate relationship, love for him. We just read that they were making a love covenant with each other by taking the cup, right? And I said, I, I was kind, and I said, I don't know what's broke, but I pray it gets healed. And I want to be the first one in line to give you the biggest hug. And he left the church. I mean, it was that big a deal. Do you see how broken we are as a society? See, in reality, probably Jesus not only hugged him, but probably kissed him, because that was the custom of Middle Eastern men. I lived in the Middle East. I understand. It wouldn't be unusual to see them holding hands, walking down the street. We're the ones that are broke. We're the ones that don't understand passion and covenant. These men had walked together for three years. Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to have this Passover with you. Why? Knowing it was his last one, you'd think it'd be just the opposite. No, he was a man on fire, heading towards the destiny that he was birthed to fulfill for us. Aren't you glad? See, I'm determined we're just going to get healed. <laughs> we're just going to be people that aren't ashamed of the passion that we love Jesus and that we love one another with. Seven so slowly breaking my guys in. Started with the hug, then a little kiss on the cheek. I'm going there with you. Maybe we'll be holding hands walking down the street. The next thing, you never know, okay? But we're going to break this thing in our society that's broken. We're going to fix it and say, listen, this is normal that we love each other. Maybe that's where some of the dysfunction in our society comes from. A craving, a hunger for something that's normal desire, but because the church hasn't modeled the genuine. We leave people abandoned to the illegitimate. Are you hearing me today? Amen. All my guys are like, oh boy, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Let's wrap this up this morning. Also interesting, I want to note that other translations, when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, the response is, Lord, is it me? Eleven called him Lord. What did Judas call him? Teacher, is it me? Very interesting lesson there. See, you can think Jesus was a good teacher. He was a prophet. He was a good man. You know, a lot of religions believe that. But if you're a Jesus follower, the only title he deserves in your life is Lord. That is the only title he deserves. But oftentimes, we're the Lord, and he's just along for the ride. I'm just being honest, right? Sometimes we don't yield that position, that throne of authority 
to anybody else. Oh, we'll come to church. Maybe we'll tip God in the offering once in a while. And call ourselves a Christian. But the real meaning here is that he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's what he requires of you. And if you think that's hard, (laughs) Jesus said, it's when you lose your life for my sake that you truly find it. Listen, that's where passion comes from, is surrendering your life. Even if you don't like what he says sometimes, you know that his way is best because I'm the one that needs to change. That's the purpose of the furnace. We sang it this morning in the crushing, in the pressing. What comes out of that? New wine. Who wants to be new wine today? That's what I want for my life. It's going to take some crushing, going to take some pressing. going to take some things that just rub me the wrong way. And that's the point, to get us to a place where we realize I'm not in charge, I'm not in control. He is. Not just a teacher, not just a prophet. He's the Lord of all. You can have passion for many things. And none of it, you know, I'm not saying that it's wrong. You can have hobbies, you can have things you do. That's all good. But I'm telling you, true life comes from that passionate pursuit of following, serving, loving Jesus, the one who created you, the one who gave you that purpose in the first place, the one who fashioned you, who wrote that script with you as the star and wants to see you shine. Nobody wants that more than Jesus for you. Don't be thinking he's trying to rob you of life. No, Jesus said, I came that you would have more life and life abundant. You'll never find life in that degree anyplace else than when you surrender it to him. So as we approach communion this morning, what a privilege. We're two weeks away from Easter, right? Two weeks from today. This is a great preparation time. This is a great opportunity for us to examine ourselves. That's what the apostle says we do. Whenever we approach the communion table, it's like we're the disciples going to the Passover. It's like we're there with the master. We don't know what he's about to do. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus has already gone to the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You get to decide whether you accept it. But what you don't know is what he's about to do in you. (laughs) And I just want to tell you, it's a good thing. And you want it. Don't resist it. Don't hold him at arm's length by calling him, well, he was a good teacher. He's a prophet. He was a holy man. No, the son of God who hung on a cross for you. He's not just teacher. He's Lord. You get to choose if that's the relationship you want with him. So ushers, get ready to serve. Worship team, come on back up and help me out. At Restoration, we serve anybody communion who wants it, okay? If you said yes to Jesus, your family, and we take it together. But I always give this asterisk. If you've not said yes to Jesus or you're not sure, it's better to let this little tray pass you by, not because we're trying to embarrass you, but because I respect the fact 
that you're still in process. And that's okay. It's okay to be in process. But when you take these two cups, there's two stacked on top of each other. One has juice, one has a little, it's supposed to be bread. I don't know what that is. But I want you to hold on to both cups when you grab them. But only take them if you're one of the 11 who call him Lord. And you're saying, I want all that Jesus died to give me. Whether you take the cups is between you and Jesus. I'm not here to say whether you're worthy of that or not. That is not my business. I'm just telling you, the apostle warns us to not take, approach the table in an unworthy manner, meaning we've not really said yes. We've not really surrendered. Now listen, we all make mistakes. We're all in process. So it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you have to have said yes. You can say yes right now. You can say yes to Jesus today <laughs> and begin walking in a relationship as a son or daughter. It's the best decision you've ever made or ever will make. It's where life comes from. We don't believe that the juice and this little square cracker thing are actually the, the blood and body, but we know that it represents something precious the life of Jesus flowing from his body. Scripture says, by his wounds, we were healed. Spirit, soul, body covers it all. The bread represents the body broken for you so that you can receive wholeness today. Why would you not want that? I remember when I came to Jesus, I was 14. Wasn't raised in a Christian home. Had a praying grandma why I am who I am. And we went to this crusade in Highland, Kansas. Those of you who remember David Wilkerson, that dates me, right? And the musical guest was Dallas Holm. Oh, I'm really getting dated now. Woo! Oldie moldy there. But when the altar call came, all these kids, all these teenagers were just bawling. I'm like, what? What's wrong with you? Why would you not want this? I mean, it's kind of how I approached it. Now I get repentance sometimes, you know, comes with emotion. That's okay too. But for me, I'm like, heck yeah, I want in on this. Jesus did that for me. How rude to say no thank you. So I'm just telling you today, if you want to say yes, you can do it right now. In fact, let's just pray. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your head. Let's just pray. Jesus, we come to you this morning as grateful people. We say thank you, God for the sacrifice you made for us by sending your only son. And your word says, whosoever believes in him. It's not about our worthiness. We know we were enemies of yours, even though we weren't born, we were born enemies. You knew that when you went to the cross for us because you had a better story written. And we just say, thank you, God, and we receive. In fact, if you're saying yes to Jesus today, just repeat this together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I say yes to the gift of God freely given to me when Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross in my place. I say yes to the gift. In Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at Second and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Thanks again for listening.